Welcome to episode 205 of the Fredcast Cycling Podcast. This show is released the week of August 5th, 2013. My name is David, and I'm a Fred. This episode of the Fredcast is brought to you by Jensen USA at jensenusa.com slash the Fredcast. Better selection, better prices, and unparalleled customer service. And by Fizari Bicycles, bringing you factory direct pricing, amazing quality, and a custom fit. You can't go wrong with Fizari Bicycles. And this week's episode of the Fredcast includes some product and industry news, San Francisco cyclist pleading guilty to vehicular manslaughter, a couple of product recalls, and of course the Tour de France with a report from Matilda. So sit back, relax, and if you're riding your bike, hammer just a little bit harder because here comes the Fredcast. Hey, fellow Freds, if you're like me, you may be a Mark Twain fan. Mark Twain frequently misquoted as saying, reports of my death have been greatly exaggerated. He actually said, report of my death was an exaggeration. Those of you who thought that perhaps I had died, no, I'm right here. Hey, fellow Freds, it's David. Great to be back with you. It has been, well, busy is probably an understatement. I don't know how many tens of thousands of air miles are under my belt for the day job. And... I'm sitting here one-handed in a sling. Somebody walked by me in the grocery store yesterday and said, ah, the sling of shame. Uh, After having uh, shoulder surgery about two and a half weeks ago for a severely torn rotator cuff, and they did some other repairs while they were in there as well. So um, life has been interesting and busy to say the least, but I am glad to be back with you. Hey, you know, if if you ever want to know, make sure that I'm still around, follow me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter. And listen to The Spokesman. We've had a couple of great shows on The Spokesman lately. That's www.the-spokesman.com, including a bit of spirited conversation following the 2013 Tour de France. And, uh, well, I guess it really wasn't a controversy, but a bit, a bit of a tempest in the teapot over people saying, wow, that Chris Froome really flew up those hills pretty well. I wonder, I'm sitting here scratching my chin as I say that. So we had a bit of a spirited discussion about that. So go back and listen. That was the Spokesman episode 100. Well, let's get into today's show because I've got a lot to talk to you about. But Before I do, I'd be remiss if I didn't thank our longtime sponsor, Jensen USA, at jensenusa.com slash thefredcast. Jensen USA has an amazing selection of complete bikes and bike components, accessories, apparel, you name it. They've got it, including, of course, nutrition and hydration supplies as well. And they've got all of that at simply phenomenal prices with some of the best customer service. Well, not just in the bike business, in business, period. If you haven't had a chance to check them out, you should. Here's a great example. I'm just looking at the fredcast.com and they've their ad this week up there is for an Altegra 6600 crank set. Regularly, $349.99 today, just $119.99. Those are the kinds of deals that you can expect at Jensen USA. I'm a Jensen USA customer and have been for many years. I think they do an amazing job. Go ahead and check them out at jensenusa.com slash thefredcast. You'll be glad you did. And we thank, of course, Jensen USA for their support of the Fredcast. And we thank you 
for your support of Jensen USA. Well, topping the news on this week's episode of the Fredcast is a bit of sad news for those of you who were fans of Serata bicycles. Many of you are familiar with Serata, uh, the famous Serata Fit Kit, and of course, their custom and semi-custom bicycles. Well, earlier this year, uh, Serato merged with Blue Competition Bicycles and Mad Fiber Wheels, creating what was called the Divine Cycling Group. Now, the reason for that was apparently uh, all three companies were looking to pool resources and and join forces in the hope that they would be able to get additional investment uh, for the furtherance of all three companies. Apparently, however, according to Bicycle Retailer and Industry News, the CEO of the new firm, Bill Watkins, told Bicycle Retailer that the merger simply did not yield additional funding or investment opportunities. And as a result, Serata is closing its doors. Now, Last week, Serata closed its factory uh, down in uh, northern uh, San Diego County, Poway, California, and laid off all of its employees down there. Uh, However, its New York factory, uh, where they were building bikes, they're still working to complete orders, but it sounds like it's just a matter of days or just a couple of weeks before Serata closes its doors. Now, Bicycle Retailer did speak with Jason Thorpe, a spokesperson for Mad Fiber, uh, who said that production was continuing at Mad Fiber. Mad Fiber, the manufacturer of high-end carbon wheels. Uh, and according to Bicycle Retailer, Blue Competition CEO Stephen Harad was not immediately available to comment. A uh, follow-up interview with Ben Serrata, the founder of Serrata in Bicycle Retailer, um, has Ben Serrata quoted as saying, I will be able to build bikes another day. And that is potential good news, but for now, sadness for those of you who are fans of Serata. Sticking with products in the bicycle industry, a couple of interesting movements in power measurement, specifically from PowerTap and from Garmin. First with PowerTap. Uh, a few weeks ago, PowerTap separated itself from Cycleops, both of which are owned by the Cirrus Cycling Group, but they separated the two out into two distinct organizations. And now PowerTap is announcing that they are instituting a steep price drop on PowerTap hubs. G3 hubs, which apparently are PowerTap's best seller, currently, well, before this, Suggested retail was $1,299. The new manufactured suggested retail price is $789. $1,299 down to $789. G3 alloy wheel sets, which used to be $1,499, are now $999. And carbon wheel sets start at $2,199. And that's for a G3 with Reynolds carbon rims. That's an amazing price drop. Now, when you hear the next story, I think it'll make a little bit more sense because the next story has been something that has been anticipated for quite some time. And that is that Garmin is finally promising to release their vector pedals. Now, you may recall that the vector pedals, it's a pedal-based power measuring system that not only Uh, allows you to switch your pedals, obviously, from one bike to the next so that you don't have to have a power meter on every bike that you own, but also allows for distinct right and left 
power measurement, a bit like I'm getting on my CompuTrainer. Now, we've been waiting for years now for Garmin to actually release these, and they're now saying that they'll start delivering. Well, first of all, in their uh, stock announcement a couple of weeks ago, Garmin announced that they've now gone into what they termed, quote-unquote, mass production on the vector pedals. And they're now saying that they will have an estimated release date of September 2013. And, and this is why I think PowerTap did what they did, a manufactured suggested retail price of $1,699. I'm wondering whether PowerTap has now caught Garmin, just caught them out. And Garmin's going to have to figure out what they're going to do with their pricing. Because not only will Garmin be competing with PowerTap and SRM and Quark and the others that are out there, but remember last year at Interbike, one of the sort of the standout technology, something that everyone was talking about was the Stages power meter, which is a crank-based power meter at a very attractive price. If I remember right, it was well under $1,000. I want to say like $700, $800. So now here's Garmin at $1,700 for a pair of pedals. PowerTap, with its price drop, bringing the G3 all the way down to $789, right about the same range as stages, it seems to me like Garmin may have been caught out. Interesting moves in the world of power meters. Meanwhile, in San Francisco, I think you'll all recall the story of cyclist Chris Boucher, who last year, allegedly, in attempting to achieve a Strava KOM, ran through several red lights in San Francisco's Mission District before finally striking and later killing a 71-year-old man who was crossing the intersection with his wife. Uh, the man died four days after the accident. You'll also remember Boucher was the one who posted uh, some comments uh, on a message board online, including an ode to his, his uh, now-dead helmet. Uh, and uh, Boucher was then charged uh, with a variety of different crimes. Boucher has now pled guilty to felony vehicular manslaughter, apparently the first felony manslaughter conviction for a cyclist in the United States, at least according to the Associated Press. According to District Attorney for the City of San Francisco, George Gascon, quote, our goal is to send a message to cyclists about safety. Just because you're riding a bicycle doesn't mean all bets are off. All of the rules of the road that apply to everyone else apply to you too. Now, according to uh, online reports, the plea deal that Chris Boucher agreed to does not include jail time. However, it will include three years of probation and 1,000 hours of community service. His trial was set to begin in October. His formal sentencing will be August the 16th, where a superior court judge has the option uh, to accept the three years probation and thousand hours of community service or uh, determine whether or not after six months his conviction can be reduced to a misdemeanor. I think even though I'm recording this, I can hear some of you complaining. So here's a cyclist who I haven't heard anybody disagree with the fact that he deserved punishment if all of those allegations we heard about are true. Um, however, um, a felony vehicular manslaughter conviction, a district attorney trying to send a message to cyclists about safety, yet we're all too well aware 
of situations with motorists who literally get away with murder in the case of cyclists. I like the fact that if the allegations are true, that Boucher is getting a punishment and hopefully will have a felony on his record, because it seems like if, again, the allegations are true, that he was acting negligently, irresponsibly. I'm not sure what the right legal term would be. Um, but we've seen the same thing from 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 motorists as well. And I would like to see the same amount of zeal and passion on the part of district attorneys around the U.S. and and prosecutors around the world when it comes to motorists killing cyclists as well. So while I, I, it seems to me the punishment um, uh, is meted out appropriately in this case, um, considering it's a plea deal, uh, however, I'd like to see similar kinds of punishments, pleas, and convictions in the case of motorists as well. I have a feeling you probably agree. Not surprisingly, since it's been a while, I've got a couple of product recalls for you. They're always important. As a matter of fact, I always get emails from people saying, thank you for telling me about that. I didn't know it. So bear with me. I've got four of them and I will go through them as quickly as I can, but I want to make sure that you have the information. First of all, Surly is recalling about 975 Pugsley bicycle forks because the fork can bend above the disc brake mount, posing, yes, a fall hazard to the rider. Um, the recall involves specifically Surly Pugsley 100 meter, 100 millimeter and 135 millimeter forks made of tubular chromoly steel. Surly is printed on both legs of the fork and Pugsley is printed on the forks packaging and on the frame of the bikes with the recalled forks. Surly has received one report of a fork bending above the disc brake mount. No injuries have specifically been reported. And there are a lot of more details about how to recognize whether or not you have one of these recalled forks. So please go ahead and check out the website uh, at www.thefredcast.com and click on the link where you'll be able to get more information about this recall. The next recall is from Salsa. Salsa is also recalling forks because guess what? The fork can bend above the disc brake mount, posing a fall hazard to the rider. There's about 1,700 bikes involved in this one, and specifically, it includes Salsa Via bicycle forks stamped with a variety of different batch codes, which I will not read here, but you should read on the website. Also, Salsa La Cruz bicycle forks also stamped with a bunch of batch codes. So this is Salsa Via forks and Salsa La Cruz forks. They've received eight reports of forks bending above the disc brake mount, and thankfully, no re injuries have been reported. Once again, check the website, click the link. You'll be able to get all the information you need to know about whether or not your salsa fork may or is not, um, may or may not be covered by this recall. Next up, turn folding bikes are being recalled because the bike's frame can crack at the hinge on the top tube. Remember, these are folding bikes, hence the hinge, thereby posing a fall hazard. Now, the recall involves about 175 Eclipse S, as in Sam, 11i, and Verge S11i, X as in X-ray 10, X20, and X30H models of turn brand folding bikes. Um, 
Apparently, they've received two reports of incidents of the frame hinge cracking, and this has resulted in minor scrapes and bruises. So if you've got a turn folding bike, an Eclipse or a Verge, again, click the link in the show notes, see whether or not your bike is included in the recall. And a recall that literally just came across my desk in the last couple of days, Cannondale is recalling about 500 slice time trial bikes because the brake plate can loosen and the company has received one report of the loosening and thankfully no reports of injuries. The affected models are 2013 Slice RS Romeo Sierra bikes, including the Black Edition, Altegra and Altegra DI2 bicycles and frame sets. The Black Edition bikes come in black. Hey, there's a concept. And the word Cannondale is in green on the top tube. The Altegra and Altegra DI2 are white with red trim and Cannondale is in black on the down tube. Now these were sold at Cannondale retailers nationwide between October 2012 and June 2013 for between $5,500 and $11,000 for the complete bike and $4,500 for the frame set. So those are definitely Fred bikes. So if you've got a Cannondale Slice RS bike or frame set, please check the show notes and see whether or not your bike is included in the recall. Now, in all of these cases, if you're even concerned that your bike or your fork may be included in the recall, please stop riding it right away. Check the website, see whether or not yours is included. And if it is, follow the instructions in the recall about how to get a remedy on your particular bike. Hey, here's what's kind of cool. In the case of the Cannondale, if your bike is included, not only are they going to um, disassemble your bike, ship it back to the factory, and then re return it to the, the dealer, reassemble it, and return it to you, they're also going to give you a Cannondale Classic jersey and a Teramo helmet. So there you go. Kind of stinks to be without your bike for that period of time, but on the other hand, at least they're giving you something for your trouble. And hey, you could be in the situation that I'm in where I can't ride my bike for at least another five weeks. So there. Hey, at this point, I need to take a moment to tell you about the latest sponsor here on the Fredcast, Fazari Bicycles. You may recall a few years ago, I did a product review of a Fazari bike because Fazari is a local Utah company that I thought had a really interesting business model, and I wanted to see whether or not that business model resulted in good bikes. And you'll remember, I was blown away by the ride that I had on the bike that they let me borrow. Well, now Fazari has come on board as a sponsor, and I am really pleased to welcome them here because I won't take just anybody as a sponsor on the Fredcast. It's got to be a company that I believe in. Now, here's why I believe in Fazari. Fazari has, as I said, this business model that really makes a certain amount of sense to me. They are the manufacturer of the bikes. They're based here in Utah, but they design and spec all of their bicycles and personally oversee the manufacturing of those bikes, bringing them in to their Utah warehouse and then... When you place your order at Fazari.com, they then custom fit that bicycle to you because in Fazari's mind, and they're absolutely right about this, you all know how I feel about bike fit, no two riders are the same. So an off-the-rack bicycle is not going to fit anyone perfectly. Therefore, they have the ability to customize the bike fit specifically to you with their 23-point custom setup. 
And this is far beyond just choosing the proper frame size. They custom fit every component, the stem, uh, the angle of the stem, the brake reach, uh, your, the, the crank length, everything is fine-tuned to your specifications. They build up the bike completely at Fizari. They test ride it, and then they ship it to you simply by removing the front wheel, the handlebars, the seat, and the pedals, and it just takes a couple of minutes to put it back together on your end with the tools that they provide. Now, they've done this for me, they've done it for Mrs. Fredcast, and we have been floored at what a great job they did in fitting us just by taking our simple measurements. Now, what about quality? Fizari engineers, designs, and manufactures to their own exacting specifications, and all of their bikes, mountain bikes and road bikes, are built with performance in mind. They spend literally countless hours designing, testing, Refining, oh, and by the way, testing again to make sure you're going to get the finest technologies and quality. And as a result, because they're going direct to you, you are paying the lowest price possible for your bike. While your friends are, are, are just drooling over the latest Dura-Ace and Altegra road bikes, but realizing that they can't afford it, go ahead and take a look at the prices over at fazari.com. Compare the specs to those bikes that you thought, you and your friends thought that you couldn't afford, and you will find that you can afford a Fazari. Plus, right now, there is a Fredcast special. Let them know when you place your order that you're a Fredcast listener, you'll get free shipping and 20% off all accessories. Now, this is in the continental U.S. only, but still an incredible deal just for listening to the Fredcast. I'd strongly encourage you to check out Fizari. All of those of you who have, as a result of my previous review, have, many of you have purchased Fizari bikes and told me how much you enjoyed them. But go ahead and check it out at Fizari.com or, more importantly, go to thefredcast.com and click that banner up at the top so that they know that you found out about Fizari from the Fredcast. And if you decide to buy, again, let them know where you heard about it. Let them know you heard about it from the Fredcast. Get the Fredcast special offer and enjoy the ride on your new Fazari bicycle. I'll have more for you about Fazari in the days and weeks to come. But for now, we thank Fazari for their support of the Fredcast. And we thank you for listening to this long initial ad for Fazari and for your support of Fazari bicycles. Well, let's get caught up a little bit on some pro racing news. I am not going to go into the minutia of everything that's gone on over the last couple of weeks in the world of professional racing. However, what I will do is I will do a little bit of a brief review of the Tour de France, talk about a couple of the races that have happened since then. And of course, I'll start by talking about the World Tour rankings. But stay tuned, because if you remember, we had Matilda on... Uh, on the last episode of the Fredcast, talking about the Ronde von Vlander and the Tour of Flanders, she is back with another excellent report from this year's Tour de France, which I know you are going to love. So I will let her give you the sights and sounds and feel of the 2013 Tour de France. Uh, and of course, by now, I'm sure all of you know that this year's tour, 2013 Tour de France was won by a guy who is having well, really an incredible 2013 the gentleman who won the 2013 Tour de France is the same one who took first overall in the Tour of Oman in 2013, the first overall in the Criterium International, the first overall in the Tour de Romandie, the first overall in the Criterium du Dauphiné Libéré, and of course, first overall in the Tour de France. We're talking about none other than Team Sky's Chris Froome, who 
as of this recording, as of August 3rd was when these rankings came out, is leading the UCI's World Tour ranking with 587 points. In second place in the World Tour ranking is Peter Sagan with 409 points, followed by Joaquim Rodriguez, Nero Quintana. We'll talk a little bit more about Mr. Quintana in a moment. Fabian Cancellara, Alejandro Valverde, Richie Port, Vincenzo Nibali, Roman Kreuziger, and Daniel Martin in 10th place. So that is your World Tour ranking as of August 3rd, and that's after the conclusion of the Tour of Polonia. Well, let's talk a little bit about the most recent races that have concluded. First of all, starting with the Tour de France. And before we get into the rankings and and each of the classifications, just a couple of comments uh, from me. First of all, and by the way, one of the reasons of being a bit brief is that we went into a long discussion of this year's Tour de France on episode 100 of the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast, and I'd encourage you to go ahead and listen to that at www.the-spokesmen.com, including what I would term a spirited discussion about uh, the questions that were swirling around uh, final yellow jersey and general classification winner Chris Froome as he's had such a strong, dominant season, and as he, in his high-speed cadence fashion, charged his way away from the peloton in several cases, including uh, as he went up Mont Ventoux. Uh, As a result of those performances, there were questions swirling around Chris Froome, some of those questions coming from my own kids watching the tour with me on those days and saying, hey, dad, do, do you think he might be doping? There's no evidence of that. Um, there's there's nothing to indicate it other than the fact that I think that it's natural based on everything that's gone on in the last few years, heck, the last couple of decades in professional cycling, even today in the world of professional baseball with the number of suspensions being handed down, including for Alex Rodriguez from the New York Yankees, I think it's natural for people to have skepticism when they see a dominant figure in any professional sport. Nobody is saying that Chris Froome did anything. They're just skeptical based on history. And I think that that's natural. And as a result, we had a bit of a spirited conversation on the spokesman. So go ahead and listen. But first, a couple of comments for me on this year's Tour de France, starting with kudos to ASO, the Amari Sports Organization, the folks who own and put on the Tour de France. Their organization, their planning of the route this year was phenomenal. I think that it made for an incredibly scenic, challenging, and interesting, at least from a spectator's perspective, three-week Grand Tour, starting in Corsica and finishing all the way uh, with the twilight finish on the Champs-Élysées. With climbs like Mont Ventoux, with Two climbs of Alpe d'Huez on the same day. Yeah, it was an exciting Tour de France, and I think that they deserve congratulations for a job very well done. I also would want to give kudos to the French camera folks, the cameramen and women, uh, and uh, the technical directors who put on the the visuals that we all see. Now, it doesn't matter whether you're watching on Australian TV, American TV, French TV, Italian TV, uh, South African TV. We're all watching the same visuals. It's the French producers and technical folks who put together all of that and then sell the footage 
to the various networks around the world. Now, you may be listening to different commentators in different languages, but we're all watching essentially the same visuals. And I think that they just do a fantastic job every year. And I think that the HD video that they presented this year was really quite good. Um, I just think they did a great job and, and, and they deserved kudos. Kudos also to up-and-coming riders in the Tour de France. Um, some new names that maybe perhaps you haven't heard in the past. Uh, names like Christophe Riblon from France, Nero Quintana from Colombia. Um, um, I just think that it made for, or even for some of you, Marcel Kittel from Germany. Um, I think depending on your level of fandom, uh, your level of uh, getting knee deep into the sport, some of these names may be new to you. And it is great to see some up and coming riders. Uh, many of us here in Utah were familiar with Nero Quintana from his performance in the Tour of Utah, but to watch him go up those hills with that steely look on his face and just frustrate the heck out of Phil and Paul, at least that's what I was listening to, because they couldn't tell whether he was feeling great or whether he was suffering, I just, just kudos to him. He just, he's, he's an up and coming star in professional cycling and somebody that we will see uh, perhaps atop the highest step on the podium. Uh, but still, second place, not bad. Uh, so a lot of great things in this year's Tour de France. So again, I think I've teased it enough. Your top 10 in this year's GC general classification, uh, Chris Froome. In 83 hours, 56 minutes, and 40, excuse me, 40 seconds from Team Sky. Uh, just a phenomenal performance capping off a dominant year for the rider from so many different countries, but currently riding for Great Britain and Team Sky. Second place, as I just mentioned, four minutes and 20 seconds back from Colombia and Team Movistar, Nero Quintana. Third place going to Raquin. Joaquin Rodriguez from Team Katusha, five minutes, four seconds back. Uh, Alberto Contador in fourth place, six minutes, 27 seconds back. And rounding out the top five, Roman Kreunziger, seven minutes and 27 seconds back. Your top 10 follows Bauka Molema, Jacob Fuglsang, Alejandro Valverde, Daniel Navarro, and Andrew Talansky. In the King of the Mountains, the polka dot jersey, Nero Quintana, Coming out with the final polka dot jersey, followed by Chris Froome, Pierre Roland, Joaquim Rodriguez, Christophe Riblon, Mikel Nieve, Moreno Moser, Richie Port, Ryder Hejdal, and TJ Van Garden. Garderin. Excuse me, TJ. My apologies. In the final points classification, with his green goatee on the final day of the tour, it was Peter Sagan from Team Cannondale and Slovakia, followed by Mark Cavendish, who was not able to repeat again on the Champs-Élysées. And then Andre Greipel, Marcel Kittel, Alexander Kristoff, Juan Antonio Flecha, Jose Joaquin Rojas, Michael Kwiatkowski, Chris Froome, and Christophe Riblon. Based on everything you've heard, it will come as no surprise that the best young rider was Nero Quintana, followed by Andrew Talansky, Michael Kwiatkowski, Roman Bardet, and Tom Dumoulin. And in the team classification, Team Saxo Tinkoff, AG2R, Radio Shack, Movistar, Belkin, Katusha, Uscatel, Omega Pharma, 
Sky, and Kofi Dees. Well, as I mentioned a few moments ago, we'll have Matilda coming up in a few minutes with her report from the Tour de France. So more Tour de France goodness still to come in this week's episode of the Fredcast. But first, just a couple more uh, results since the Tour de France on July 27th, my birthday. The Classica Ciclista San Sebastian was won by Tony Gallopin, followed by Alejandro Valverde and Roman Kreutziger. And July 27th through August the 3rd saw the Tour de Polonia in Poland, this year won by Peter Weening, uh, followed by John Izaguir in Zausti, and Christoph Riblon off his great performance in the 2013 Tour de France. Hey, one more bit of news for this week, and this is actually a correction from uh, one of the recent episodes of the Fredcast, in which I called Boris Johnson, he of the Boris bike, the Lord Mayor of London. Well, as several astute listeners pointed out to me, Boris Johnson is not Lord Mayor of London. He is the Mayor of London. Now, as all of you CGP Grey fans from YouTube will know, the great city of London, known for its historical landmarks, modern skyscrapers, ancient markets, and famous bridges. It's arguably the financial capital of the world and home to over 11,000 people. Wait, what? 11,000? That's right, but the city of London is a different place from London. Though London is- And that, my friends, is where in my American ignorance I made my mistake, because apparently London and the city of London are quite different. But if you look at a map of London crafted by a careful cartographer, that map will have a one square mile hole near the middle. It's here where the city of London lives inside the city named London. Despite these confusingly- And as the admirable CGP Grey will tell you, the Lord Mayor and the Mayor are two different people. Laws. The mayor of the city of London has a fancy title, the Right Honorable the Lord Mayor of London, to match his fancy outfit. He also gets to ride in a golden carriage and work in a guild hall, while the mayor of London has to wear a suit, ride a bike, and work in an office building. The city of London also has its own flag. And so, for those of you who were offended, or those of you who knew more than I did, or those of you who live in London, or perhaps you're the mayor of London, or the Lord Mayor of London, my apologies and this correction for the error made on the last episode of the show. Now, having said that, can I strongly encourage you to go watch a CGP Grey video on YouTube? I've got a link in the show notes. The man is spectacular. You will learn a lot. You will be entertained. You will be amused. And you will be glad for the tip. So, a correction and a tip from me at the Fredcast to you. Like most of you, I watched the 2013 Tour de France via internet and television. And like most of you, it would be a great pleasure, uh, and it's certainly on my bucket list, to go to France to be able to follow the tour and view it in person. Well, our good friend Matilda Hedberg-Dowdle and her photographer and producer, Krister Hedberg, had the opportunity to go this year and to personally witness several stages of the Tour de France. And just as they did when they brought us the recent report from the Ron von Vlanderen, they went out not so much to tell you about the race itself, about the racers, about the victories, about the defeats, but to tell you about what it's like to give you the sights and the sounds, and yes, the feel of being out there along the roadside as the pageantry of the peloton passes by you and the rest of the thousands, the throngs sitting by the side of the road, many of them for a week or more, 
waiting for the tour to pass. So here is our friend, Matilda Hedberg-Dowdle, as she brings you what she witnessed at the 2013 Tour de France. Up mountains and over avenues, through tunnels of screaming spectators, 200 cyclists, three weeks and 21 stages. It can only mean one thing, Tour de France, 100 edition. You see the madness on television, sometimes swearing at spectators running with the cyclists. But being there is even more crazy. We witnessed the race on site for two weeks, sleeping in a tent, being near the riders enough to touch them and having spectators almost burst our eardrums. This year it would come down to another British victory, as last year's main man to Bradley Wiggins, Chris Froome, rode in his yellow jersey over the finish line at Champs-Élysées in Paris. But we're not here to talk about a victorious Team Sky, or how German Marshal Kissel was crowned by several as the new sprinter to watch out for. The focus here is what was going on around the race, away from the peloton. This is a look back at the Queen stages, Mont Ventoux, Les Alpes d'Huez and the final in Paris. And we're starting on the bald mountain, Mont Ventoux. Uh, I'm Frankie and I'm from England. Yeah, I'm Tony and I'm from uh, England as well. Jamie from England. And Nick from England. <laughs> Is this the first time you're here for the Tour de France? No, second time I've been, but uh, the first time on this mountain. So why have you chosen Mont Ventoux? To well, you decide, we decided to do a mountain. We had to wait for Frankie to finish school, so we thought that we'd bring him along, and it's his first time on the mountain, and he's really interested in cycling. So, And as we're in the lead at the moment, good time to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Are you guys camping? No, we've got a motorhome just down the road. Yeah, we got up here last night, didn't we? We were the last people, I think, through the gates and got parked up, so it was really good. Good fun. Had a few beers last night and walked up. And now we're freezing cold. <laughs> the further up you go, the more moon-like Mont Ventoux seems. The trees disappear and you're left with nothing but rocks. First used in the Tour de France in 1951, the climb starts in the small city of Bedouin. Then it's about 20 kilometers to the old weather station at the top of the giant of Provence. And while we arrived four days before the race day, some spectators had been on site for over a week. A temporary sports bar had been set up for anyone wishing to watch the day stage. With about four kilometers to the top, the two guys from Rafa, a company making cycling apparel and one of the sponsors from Team Sky, were sitting in front of their bus in lawn chairs, handing out water and cheering for people making their way to the top. I'm Steve. I'm Ben. Well, this is, this is really kind of a um, supporters bus. We're kind of here because guys like you are here. It's just to say hi, enjoy yourselves, if we can give out drinks, if we can you know, talk to as many people as possible and just kind of share everyone's kind of hype and buzz about the tour and, and just enjoy it with everyone really. That's what, that's what we're here for. Not just the Team Sky, you know, it's to anyone who wants a cold Coke or whatever. We've got a little canette, so we're just trying to look out for all the, whoever's on the road. We know how hard it is. So. Just to give somebody the yeah. energy, just to get to the top basically. How long have you been sitting here? We've, we've been on this mountain for two and a half days now. Two and a half days, two nights. Uh, on, living on Mont Ventoux, which is absolutely amazing experience. You, you come out at night and the, every single star is out. You can see so crystal clear, it's beautiful. And we were at the San Malo time trial, 
before this, we were up there with the bus. And before that, we were in the Col de Palares in the Pyrenees Mountains. And we were stuck on top of that mountain for three days too, right on the switchback. So we have been uh, traveling. Going all the way to Paris. Yeah, we're going all the way to Paris. We're going from here, we're going to go to Alpes and we're there for, I think, for three days. And then we're going to travel from there to Paris for the Champs Elysees. And I'm guessing you're happy with how everything's going for, for Sky. We're happy to see the race, races race. Like what happened yesterday with Contador and Saxo Bank. Uh, you know, we're cycling fans. So like we want to see a great race and that was fantastic action yesterday. You know, they took a minute and 10 seconds back. So we're not completely partisan, we're cycle fans. The best, you know, the best rider on the day, if it, whoever it is, as long as it's been a good, a good day and a good race, then that's fine with me. Sky don't have to win every day. Come race day. It's warm with no shade to be found. At the last kilometers, it's packed with spectators, flags and cyclists trying to access the top before the peloton. The police stop them. Nobody's allowed to bike the last 800 meters. So we move up and down the bend. And amongst pilgrims leaving flowers at the Tom Simpson Memorial, we come across a man who really knows what it's like to wait for the cyclists. All right, my name's Pete and I'm from Hobart, Tasmania. I've come to watch the tour like I think a million other people. I've been over for the tour for the last 10 years, so this is just one of the spots that I want to pick as a favourite. So, who are you rooting for? Oh, no one in particular. I mean, obviously the Australians. I mean, Richie Port is he's with Sky. He's, he's, he's uh, from Tasmania as well. And, I mean, you know, then I have to go for Green Edge because we've got Goss, who's also from Tasmania. So we've got a few Tasmanians racing. Do you plan on doing this again? Oh, yes. Next time next time I come to France, I'll climb Vontou. And uh, after that, of course, we're always going to go to Alpe d'Huez and always climb Alpe d'Huez. <laughs> they're, they're, the, they're the ones you have to do. The 100th edition of the Tour de France saw some significant choices when it came to designing the stages. A time trial ending at World Heritage Mont Saint-Michel, starting in Versailles for the last stage. And something that was described as simply epic. The popular climb up Le Alpe d'Huez was to be done two times on the same stage. A queen stage, just like Mont Ventoux, lined with 21 hairpin bends and a surge amongst the cyclists to conquer the mythical mountain. It's a stage that always attracts loads of spectators, almost a million every year. But what about if you're only mortal? Someone who has been training for months to get up La Alpe and accept cheers from the people in the top village. With six bends left, I caught up with a couple of cyclists. Everything okay? Yeah, it's hot though. Yeah. How's it going? You can barely see the top right now. How do you feel? Oh, thanks for telling me that. I felt good until you said that. All right, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, good no, luck. Thank you, I'm good. Hi, I'm Adrian. I'm from Yorkshire in England, where the tour starts next year. And uh, it's my first time at Alpe d'Huez, so I wanted to do it before I was 50. So I just have one more year to go, so it's been fantastic. Have you seen the tour uh, live uh, before? Uh, yeah, I saw the tour in 2006. I rode the etap um, from Limoges to Saint-Flair, which was 153 miles, which was epic. Um, we did it in 10 hours 50 and he did it in six hours 20. So a big difference between the pros and the guys just riding. So it's a big effort to get here, but it's amazing to, to make that effort. I've come with some friends there up the hill, one's behind us. So we'll all meet at the top and have a beer and have a toast. So hopefully we'll continue to uh, enjoy the weather. Reaching the top can be achieved on many levels. The day before race day, we noticed over 50 cyclists with the same jerseys. 
I wanted to know more about the cyclists, so I spoke with Deborah Spano when the group had gathered on the top of Leatuais. The name of the program is Ride to Recovery, and it's its sole purpose is to help um, injured military members heal through rehabilitation. So they go on long distance bike rides, usually 300, 400 miles over a week. Um, there are 130 injured veterans from America and then some others that have joined us from Germany, Italy and Israel. They're doing rehabilitation on their bicycles and we are riding 400 miles in Italy and France and everybody is um, working through their injuries, physical and mental, and riding in a group is very soothing, re relieves the stress, uh, and we make bicycles to fit people's injuries. If you can see Nate DeWalt's bike over there, it's a hand cycle. He lays down almost completely flat. He has three wheels, and he powers by his hands. We did uh, Gavio. Yes, that was very difficult for everybody. Um, today was, was difficult, but all the people on the side of the road gave them the, the cheering to go faster and to continue on. La Alto Ace has been nicknamed the Dutch Mountain. First included in the race in 1952, most wins on the mountain have been by Dutch riders. Counting this year, French cyclists have only won on the mountain three times. And just below the village of Wais, it's the so-called Dutch Corner. Dutch fans arrive over a week before the peloton is supposed to pass, and every day is a party. When race day arrives, it's packed with spectators. DJs blast loud music, a great deal of beer is consumed, and the constant cheers for Dutch riders and teams is ear-splitting. We visited Dutch Corner two days before the race would pass, and there was still some calm amongst the crowd. How's it going? Oh, it's good now. It's, uh, it's a very nice day. There's a lot of people around here and we have a lot of fun. How many days have you been? We are now for uh, one week and we stay till, uh, till Saturday, till everything is gone. And then we are the first time here and the last time out. So how many beers have you drunk so far? No beers. No beers. No beers. Somebody must be uh, clever. Eh? There's a lot that can be said about the atmosphere in Dutch Corner when the peloton drew nearer. It was simply a party with people dancing on walls and a great mix of nationalities, despite the majority being Dutch. It was hard not to feel a great sense of happiness when spending time amongst such an insane crowd. And there were four people that really stood out in Dutch Corner. Four guys from Ireland and Scotland who made the decision to start jumping on the cars from the caravan that always passes before the peloton. I met up with these four guys in Paris to find out more about who they were and why they had decided to see the tour on site. Barry, I'm from uh, Limerick in Ireland. Uh, Paul Brennan from Kildare, Nice, and uh, living in New York now. Tyler, I'm from Cork and living in uh, Belgium. And Crohor, and I'm from Glasgow in Scotland. So why did you decide to come here and follow the tour? It's sort of just an interest in cycling. I've been cycling for the last five or six years and just uh, this is the biggest event so needed a holiday. Tour de France sort of matched in with everything so it was a nice hit to tour and take a couple of days off work. And it's been good so far? It's been amazing, yeah, it's, it's been, been epic. Incredible, the atmosphere, maybe especially on the climbs is really hard to describe to people who haven't been. The TV probably doesn't do it, do it justice. Uh, so just to see it on the climbs, and it's incredible. So what's been the best bit so far? 
Probably a lot of good memories. Probably Dutch Corner probably stood out on the up to west stage. Incredible, incredible crowds. Alberto Contador, uh, as he was cycling back to Gap after the time trial, and uh, one of the lads hand, trying to hand out a can of Coke to him out the window of the camper van was highlight too. Say, uh, Crohor on top of the van was a big highlight. And uh, it took an Irish man to get touched corner going. <laughs> The Dutch corner that's been the most craziest so far. Yeah, I think the atmosphere, they, they really know how to uh, how to throw a party and it's, the atmosphere was electric. It's huge crowds and very tight gap for the riders to get through. That's probably our, our best memory of, uh, of this year's tour. So would you guys do it again? Uh, 100%, yeah. Absolutely. 100%. I do yeah. next week. Yeah. yeah, we should go to the tour of Poland. <laughs> <laughs> Night has fallen over Paris. The Air Force has passed over us, leaving red, white, blue and yellow smoke in the sky. One of the decisions made when designing the stages that would differ from previous editions of the Tour de France was that the cyclists would be racing at sundown. The cyclists ride up and down Champs-Élysées around the Arc de Triomphe. Last lap, cycling legends Eddie Merckx, Bernard Hinault and Greg LeMond, all multiple winners of the Tour de France, follow the peloton in a red sports car. And as Marshall Kittel secures a German victory on the avenue, Team Sky crosses the finish line arm in arm. I ran down to the team buses and met up with Klaus Johansson, mechanic with the Vac and Soleil team, who was just loading out wheels from one of the team cars. My name is uh, Klaus and I'm the head mechanic for Vakansoleil. How long have you been the head mechanic? Uh, two years now. Was it any teams before that? Yes, Garmin uh, Transition, as the name was then, and uh, Savelo Test Team. I saw that one of your riders had to change a bike or was it change a wheel? Yeah, we had uh, two mishaps today. One crash and I think the guy, Sergei Lagutin, he uh, broke his finger but he finished the stage. And then uh, we had a flat on the last lap with uh, Fletcher. Otherwise, we were pretty lucky. And uh, the entire race, how do you feel about it? Ah, it's nice when it's over. No, it's a good race. It's, uh, if you do uh, the tour, it's my fourth tour. And uh, if you have done then, uh, there is no, uh, no comparison with the rest of the world. So. Maybe somewhere inside, we're all glad it's over. Cyclists, staff, mechanics, press, spectators. For me and Christer Hedberg, producer of this segment, it's almost a year of planning that has come to an end. Following the Tour de France can be stressful, and there are always things that can be done differently. But after witnessing six stages on site, meeting loads of great people, and being part of such a huge event, it's a true memory. Really something to remember. I'll agree that you'll see a whole lot more of the race on television, but the excitement as the peloton draws nearer, the feeling of seeing your favorite cyclist just inches from you as you cheer him on, the friendship among spectators who you just met, that's something that really can't be beat. My name is Matilda hedberg Dowdle. Thanks for listening. Wow, a huge thank you and kudos to Matilda for her reporting and to Christer for his producing. Another fantastic uh, segment from Matilda, and I'm hoping that we get many, many more. Hey, if you'd like some more information on Matilda, go ahead and check out her website. It's dowdle.se. That's D-O-W-D-L-E dot S-E, Sierra Echo. Uh, Matilda is uh, a, a journalism expert, as you can tell, 
Uh, and uh, you will also find Krister's photos there as well. So I hope that you will enjoy. Thank you so much, Matilda. Really very, very much appreciated. And I know that I speak for the rest of my fellow Freds and the Fredcast audience in saying we can't wait for the next report that you send in here to the Fredcast. Again, go ahead and check out her website. It's dowdle.se. Well, that's going to do it for episode 205 of the Fredcast. Don't go yet. A couple of uh, uh, quick announcements for you. First of all, I want to let you know that episode 206 is literally right around the corner. I've got a ton of content recorded for that, and I can't wait to get it to you. I've got some recorded content and a lot more news to bring you as well. Uh, but before I go, I do also want to thank our show sponsors. Who can forget Jensen USA at jensenusa.com slash the Fredcast. Better prices, better selection, and unparalleled customer service. Once again, at www.jensenusa.com slash thefredcast. And of course, our newest sponsor, Fezari Bicycles. Fezari Bicycles at fezari.com. But more importantly, click on that link at the top of the homepage at thefredcast.com where you are going to find great quality bicycles, a custom fit, and manufacturer direct for prices that simply can't be beat. Go ahead and check them out at fizari.com and make sure you tell them that you heard about Fizari on the Fredcast and thank them for sponsoring the Fredcast as well. Hey, if you want to keep in touch with me here at the Fredcast, make sure that you visit our website at www.thefredcast.com. Want to send me an email? Please do so at thefredcast at gmail.com. Keep in touch with us on Twitter. The Twitter handle is Fredcast or on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Fredcast. If you'd like to send us some audio comments just to let us know what you think or for something to be played on the show, give a call to our Fredcast listener hotline at area code 661-513-FRED. That's 661-513-3733. Or simply go to thefredcast.com and check out that link on the right-hand side of the page to use your computer microphone and speakers to send us a voicemail right from the website itself. And with that, there's just one more thing to do. And you know what that is. That's to introduce this week's Podsafe Cycling Music. And this week's Podsafe Cycling Music was chosen specifically for the Fredcast by IndoorCyclingMusic.com, the home of the weekly featured track and premium members content of weekly 30 and 60 minute cardio mixes and monthly 90 minute cardio mixes to get the world moving. Find out more information at www.indoorcyclingmusic.com. And of course, since all I can do now with my shoulder in a sling is exercise indoors, guess what 30, 60, and 90-minute cardio mixes I'm listening to? That's right, from indoorcyclingmusic.com. This week's Podsafe Cycling Music is by Steve Schultz. It's called My Original Sin. Hey, everybody, thank you so much for staying subscribed. Thank you so much for being patient and for telling your friends about the Fredcast and for listening for so many episodes. It's a pleasure to do this, and I will do this much more often, as often as I can. But hey, don't forget also, go listen to The Spokesman at www.the-spokesmen.com. Again, thanks so much for listening. I look forward to talking to you on show number 206, right around the corner, but between this show and the next. Enjoy the music, but most of all, 
Enjoy the ride. She came up on me like a roller coaster, twist and turning upside down at a drop. She must have thought I was a real high roller. That's okay, I'll just pretend what I'm not. She got it on, legs to the floor, and if I want it more, you know she's giving to me. She got the eyes that make you realize you better get in line, cause she got something to see. Her hands are on my shoulder I know that I'm a shoulder But now all I can 